Morning, everyone. Uh, my name's Ollie. If I haven't met you, I'm the pastor of our youth and young adults here and get the privilege of sharing God's Word with you this morning. Uh, two things I love about the passage that we just read. One is that Philip can run as fast as a chariot. That's awesome. Number two is that it's the only ever record in history of human teleportation. Amazing. But let's not let these facts distract us from the real main character of this story. And that is the Holy Spirit. I wonder, what's your experience of the Holy Spirit? For many of us, he can be just a theoretical, like a theory, a doctrine to believe. Maybe some kind of spiritual force. I remember in high school chapel, the chaplain used an illustration of Star Wars, you know, the force. May the Lord be with you. May May the force be with you to kind of compare the force and the Holy Spirit. Let me just pop that bubble right now. That's not accurate. Or maybe the Holy Spirit is kind of like the middle child of the family, the kind of forgotten family member of the Trinity that's kind of left at school pickup. We've all been there, middle children, am I right? (laughs) Who is the Holy Spirit? That's what I want to talk to you today about. Who is the Holy Spirit and how does that relate specifically to our mission? And that's going to be our focus. We cannot talk about mission without a clear understanding of the Holy Spirit. If this is your first week with us, we're in a month uh, called Mission Month, Mission Month of May, to focus on the third aspect of our calling as disciples, to live out our new identity through community on mission. We've set aside May to remind ourselves what is the mission and, and to spur each other on, encourage one another in the mission we believe Christ has given us. In the first week, Pastor Timon reminded us of the motivation of our mission, an explosion of joy as we've encountered and been transformed by the incredible gift of God's grace that we just can't help but share it with others. Last week, we saw how mission is not just a one-time thing, but an ongoing invitation to come and see, come and see what we've found. But also at the end of his message, we were reminded that It's actually a spiritual battle. We need a new perspective, a spiritual vision to become to mission. And that's why we need to know clearly about the Holy Spirit. So today I'm praying, and I have been praying, that you will be awakened again to the presence and power of the Holy Spirit in your lives. That you'll be spurred on with courage to be His witnesses. So if you've got your Bibles open there to Acts chapter 8, that's where we're going to be spending our time today. Uh, But let me pray as we come to God's Word together. Uh, Lord God, we thank you so much for your grace and your kindness to us to give us your Word. And we pray, Lord, that your truth would be clear. Lord, we want to see you. We want you to speak to us. Help us to have humble hearts. So Father, we just invite you now to come and And speak in power. And we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Uh, J.D. Greer in his book, Jesus Continued, gives this great illustration of how we often treat mission. Uh, I think it's so relevant. We can treat mission as if a teacher has given us an assignment to do. But then he's kind of left the room and he's just left us to do the assignment. And we're just kind of waiting for the teacher to come back and, and mark our work and see how we've gone. We can treat God, you know, God's work is finished and we've still got to do our part. 
God comes, he creates the world, he saves the world, he gives a mission, and then he kind of just floats away into the clouds, and we're sort of left here. And so mission can kind of feel like an impossibility. I wonder if you feel that this morning, just totally inadequate, totally inadequate to do your homework. That's why I think a lot of the time we sort of relegate mission to the super Christian freaks because, you know, I just couldn't do that. I'm, I'm powerless. One of the biggest lies out there is that God is far away. He is not. God is not far away. The Bible paints a picture of God who wants to be with his people. You see, God, he shows up in fire in a burning bush as he reveals himself to Moses. God shows up in fire in a pillar of fire as he leads the Israelites through the darkness in the wilderness. God shows up in fire on Mount Sinai as he gives the law to Moses. God shows up in a cloud of glory and fire as it descends on the temple as God's presence comes in the Holy of Holies. And then in the New Testament, John, he comes on the scene and he says... After me comes one who is more powerful than I. He says, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So Jesus, he does his ministry at the end, uh, as he's about to ascend into heaven. Luke records this in Acts. Jesus says, I'm going to promise you something. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witness to the ends of the earth. And then what happens, Acts chapter 2, the disciples are gathered in the upper room. Verse 3, they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire descend on them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. This is so important for us. God has not left them. God has not left you. Some of you need to hear this today. God has not left you. He is near. He is close. Listen to this promise of John chapter 14. Jesus says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. You see, the teacher hasn't left the room. He's with us. We are not alone in the mission that God has sent us to do. Can you see the magnitude of the picture that the scriptures paint? God, God's holy presence could not be near us without us being consumed. Hebrews 12 says, God is a consuming fire. And the thick curtain that was in the temple that separated the people was a reminder to them. Excuse me. <coughs> was a reminder to them that they could not come near to God. A big, thick curtain. You can't come near. And yet when Jesus died on the cross, when his body was torn apart, what happened to that curtain? It tore. The curtain tore. It was the wrath and the consuming fire of God that would be on Jesus so that we could draw near to God. But more than that, what does he say is the temple now? What does he say is the temple? He says, you 
are the temple of God. God in you, His incredible grace and His presence. We don't deserve that. And I know many of you feel like, I'd make a terrible house for God, full of shame and mess and weakness. Maybe you're here this morning just feeling totally inadequate and totally far from God. Let me, let me remind you right now that what Jesus did on the cross was enough. And when we say, you know, I, I still need to clean myself up for me to come to God and draw near to God. It's as if to say to Jesus, as he's bleeding and he's suffering there, that, look, thank you, Jesus, but it just wasn't enough for me. And Jesus is there and he's saying, hello, do you know what I did and what I've suffered so that God could be in you. God is in us. His all His grace and His mercy and His kindness to fill us with His Holy Spirit. Do you believe that this morning? That He has filled you. This is why the Holy Spirit is the main character as we come to this encounter with Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. The Spirit is present with Philip, speaking, leading, and, and with him. So with this in mind, I invite you, if you've got your Bibles there, let's read verse 26 again. And remember who the main character is. An angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Candace, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Just a couple of things I want to point out uh, at this point. Isn't it interesting that the spirit leads Philip to the desert? If you've got your Bibles open there to Acts chapter 8, in verse 5, Philip's in Samaria. And a lot of good stuff is happening. Uh, verse 5, it says there, Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid careful attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. Surely you'd want to stay there, right? But the Spirit leads Philip to a desolate place and to an unexpected encounter. This is a huge paradigm shift that's going on. As, as Jesus said, they would be his witnesses to the nations. Here we see Jews didn't associate with non-Jews, but here is Philip with an Ethiopian eunuch. If we're not aware of the Spirit and his leading, we'll make the mistake expecting God to be in the places that look and feel good and never amongst the desolate places and the unexpected people. When, we, when you think about where you are going, are you inviting the Spirit to lead you? To speak to you? You see, what seems best and obvious may not actually be uh, God's will. And if we're not praying and not aware of God, then we'll miss out 
on what God wants to do through us. He's present with us. And so let me suggest this to you. Next time that you're in the lunchroom at, at work or at school or at uni, remembering that the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit is in you, why not pray to him and say, Lord, who are you leading me to this morning or this afternoon? And ask God for the courage to speak. And if you feel that prompt, that person over there, why not have the courage to go and speak to them? The worst that could happen is nothing comes of it. But if it is the Spirit who is prompting, He will open unexpected doors. He is present with us. So let's have courage. I know, I know many of you, myself included, have an anxiety of talking to people we don't know. We hate that. We'd rather just talk to the people we're comfortable with. We'd rather just sit and scroll on our phones. Don't forget who is in you. Don't forget who is with you. We need to be operating in an awareness of the Spirit's presence. God is in you. He's not just a doctrine to believe. He's not some spiritual Star Wars force that gives us telepathy. He is God who invites us into a relationship with Him. So he's close. Is your faith just a lifestyle or a set of beliefs? Or do you have this personal relationship with God, your creator, and know the power and the leading of the Spirit who is in you? I can't say that enough this morning. His Holy Spirit in you. You know, that's why I'm heaps excited about open house. Because the idea of an open house is actually, it's a home. This is a family. We're not just inviting people to a service. It's an invitation to meet the family because we believe God is present. Come and experience the work of God in and through each of us. Each of us. I'm looking forward to that. Another bad analogy of the Holy Spirit is a personal trainer or a life coach. Uh, the Holy Spirit is not like Arnie sitting on your shoulder. Come on, more energy. He's not like that. He's not there to puff you up. This is my second point for this morning. The Holy Spirit has a job. And the job is to glorify Christ. You see, any alleged work of the Holy Spirit that does not glorify Christ is not the work of the Spirit. Let me say that again. Any alleged work of the Spirit that doesn't point to Christ is not the Spirit. I listen to how Jesus describes the role of the Holy Spirit, John 16, and why, in fact, it's better to have the Spirit with us than Jesus in the flesh. Uh, verse 7, But truly I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the Advocate, the Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. But when he, verse 13, when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. To the truth. He will not speak of his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is to come. Verse 14, he will glorify me. Because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. You see, the spirit's role is always to point to Jesus, to glorify Jesus. It's why Acts chapter 1, often quoted, 
Chapter 1, verse 8 says, The Holy Spirit will come on you. Power from the Holy Spirit. Why? To be my witnesses. So when you think about the Holy Spirit, we need to remember that He is God in us, He's with us, but also that He's doing a job. He's pointing to Christ. With that in mind, uh, let's look at how the Spirit's working in our passage today. Working in the Ethiopian's heart, but also in Philip, as he's perfectly timing this encounter. Uh, Verse 30. Uh, Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about? Himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. Because that's the mission, right? The good news about Jesus. You see, in every instance that we encounter the Spirit in Acts, he is pointing to and he's glorifying Jesus. And here, as he explains to the Ethiopian eunuch, that the suffering servant here in Isaiah is Jesus, Philip gets straight to the heart of the mission, the gospel, the good news of Jesus, who by grace resurrects those who are dead in their sin to restore them to God. And it's the Spirit who is working to perfectly time this encounter. The Spirit's always doing that. And I love the way the Spirit times encounters. Uh, One that I can uh, remember was uh, one night after our Overflow Youth Program on Fridays. I happened to be walking past with one of the mums. She came to me. Her daughter had been coming to youth uh, only for a few weeks. She'd never been to a youth group. She'd heard all her friends are going. and So her mum sort of caught me and said, uh, can her daughter go? Our registrations had been closed for a while, but I said, sure thing, I'll see what I can do, because uh, it's often these ones that God works in. And inevitably, the, na- the last night of camp, this girl gave her heart to the Lord. That was the Spirit's work to time this encounter. And so we need to be open to the Spirit and aware of those perfectly timed encounters. Because I want to tell you this reality this morning. That the Spirit is more passionate about the mission than you could ever be. The Holy Spirit is way more excited about the mission than we could ever be. And so I want to say, instead of feelings of guilt and inadequacy or duty, let's open up ourselves to the Spirit and His leading who's excited to point to Christ. Because that's where the power is. And just another note, we can also underestimate the power of God's Word. The Spirit and the Word are not in competition. Rather, the Word without the Spirit is powerless, and the Spirit without the Word is aimless. The Bible is God-breathed, we are told. His Spirit is working in and through it. And so don't underestimate the power of God's Word to speak to you, to speak to those you are sharing it with. And if we're open, the Spirit will lead us, and He will use us.
Do you think Philip ever imagined when he first accepted Jesus that he'd be baptizing a senior official of an a senior Ethiopian official in a random bit of bit of water in the middle of a desert next to a chariot? I mean, like it's totally unexpected. As Philip's running up to this chariot, he. Do you think he had a plan or or that he had a strategy in that moment? And yet God used him. God gave him exactly what he needed for that moment. This is my third point. The Spirit will equip us for the mission. The Spirit will equip us for the mission. So let me read the rest of our passage from Acts chapter 8, verse 36. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, here is water. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they, come at, when they came out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. And the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about, preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. I love that there's just water here at exactly the right time. I love that the eunuch's just open. He's like, water, baptize me. I love that Philip just gets teleported and then he just kind of goes on his way, still preaching and, and rejoicing. See, I believe the Spirit will give us exactly what we need to do exactly what he's called us to do. The Spirit will give us exactly what we need to do exactly what he's called us to do. And you know, I think teleportation seems to be a unique event. I'm not suggesting that we all go out and pray for teleportation to shorten our commutes, but what does then, how does the Spirit equip us? What should we expect? Uh, Three things I want to highlight from the Scriptures today as they relate to the mission. How is the Spirit equipping us? Three Three things. Number one, words. Words. Jesus promised that the Spirit will speak through us Therefore, don't be anxious. I think this is one of the main ways that we feel inadequate. and We shrink back because we feel like I've got nothing to say. Look at this from Matthew chapter 10, uh, the words of Jesus. He says, when they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or in what you are to say. For what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. This is awesome. The Spirit will give us the words to speak to cause us to remember what He wants us to remember. And certainly I think it's very important that we know the message, we know God's Word. But in terms of anxiety, Jesus reassures us. He says, don't worry. The Spirit is in you. He will speak through us. Now, I love that feeling of, well, I don't love the feeling of when uh, it happened to me the other day, I was driving to a counseling, someone, someone needed counseling, and I just felt like I had nothing. I had absolutely nothing. I had felt totally out of my depth. And just crying out, Lord, I need you to come and speak here. And when the Spirit speaks in those moments, it's just profound joy to be used by Him. And number two, how does the Spirit equip us? He does so with gifts. Now, let me remind you that for those who believe, said it enough today, 
The Spirit is in you. And this same Spirit will, will equip us with gifts for the building up of His church and in service of the church's mission. Now, let me read this from 1 Corinthians 12. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them, and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now, now to each one of the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. And don't get distracted by the debates on what what are the gifts. I want want you to hear to the purpose of the gifts of the Spirit, for the common good. They're not just, they're not for us, they're for the church. And verse 11, all these are the work of the one and the same Spirit, and He distributes them to each one, just as He determines. Notice how He, he emphasizes to each one. You know, I've been given a spiritual gift, and so have you. Paul says later in chapter 14, earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. Do you know what your spiritual gift is? This is the promise of Scripture. Each one of you has been gifted by the Spirit. And are you using those gifts? Number three, direction. He equips us for mission with direction. We, we should expect the Spirit to lead, to send, and to guide us. Uh, two moments in Acts I want to share with you just quickly. Acts chapter 13, we read as the leaders, they're gathered in Antioch. Uh, they were worshipping the Lord. They were fasting. The Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. The two of them, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. Can you see here the Spirit is opening a door and giving direction as they prayed and fasted. Yeah, look at chapter 16, verse 6. It says this, They went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. You see, the Spirit will open doors. He will also shut doors in His wisdom. What that means for us is that in our mission, we need to be constantly in prayer, dependent on Him in prayer. We should value highly our prayer meeting. And ask Him for guidance and humility. Walk in Him. And so where does that leave us? You know, I know that talking about the Spirit and walking in the Spirit can feel very abstract. You know, well, so what? Uh, so I want to give you three uh, concrete applications to finish today. Uh, number one, relate to the Spirit as a person. This seems obvious, but I treat the Spirit like a doctrine or a tool rather than a person of God with me. God is present with me, and I can forget that He's invited me into a relationship. So partner with the Spirit. Paul says, on a, in all occasions, pray in the Spirit. Maybe your prayer life is feeling real dry at the moment. It might be that we've forgotten that God is present as a person with us. He's not far away. Number two, do something courageous. If you see a chariot, run up to it. If that happens to you, 
Come tell me about it. That would be awesome. But seriously, what doors might God be opening for you if you would just have the courage to listen and obey Him? Maybe it's a conversation with a coworker, an invitation to Alpha, a chat to the homeless person asking for money, or an invitation that you give to your neighbor for dinner. Do something courageous because the Spirit is in you. Don't make the mistake of thinking that the Spirit is just in the pastors in these walls. And don't just think your job is just drag them in front of professionals. The Spirit is in you. Do you believe it? And finally, and this is where I want to land today, ask God to fill you with His Spirit. Ask to be filled with the Spirit. You know, I absolutely believe that we are filled and sealed with the Spirit. We are, that God's presence is in us the moment that we give our lives to Him. But the Scriptures still point to us to earnestly ask God to fill us to a greater awareness of the Spirit and His power in us. Ephesians 5, Paul says, don't get drunk on wine, but be filled, be filled with the Spirit. Chapter 1, he prays to God that God would give the Ephesians the spirit of wisdom and of revelation the knowledge of Him. Chapter 3, he prays that God would grant the Ephesians to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Colossians 1, Paul says, he never ceases to pray that they may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom. I love this moment in Acts chapter 4. The believers who had received the Spirit, Pentecost had happened, they're gathered together, they're in a room, they're praying to God for courage. And what happens? The Bible says they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Or if you still don't believe that we should ask for the Holy Spirit to fill us, these words from Jesus in Luke chapter 11, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Will you ask God to fill you afresh with His Spirit, to give you a greater awareness of His glory, of His love, of His will for your life? This morning, will you ask Him to fill you again with His Spirit? Will you thirst after Him? To know Him more. To know His power through you. To know His courage. I wonder for those of you who are open to Him, where and to who He might lead you. You know, we believe City Reach is a church planning church. We're sending church. It's not because we're any good. It's because we believe the Spirit is in us and He's given us a mission to do and He's partnering with us. So let me pray. Our Lord Jesus Christ, we just humbly come before you and, and ask that you would fill us again with your Spirit. Father, we want to see you. We want to know you. We want to know your presence with us. And I just feel for people in this room right now who are feeling heavy in heart, feeling totally inadequate for the mission, Holy Spirit, I pray right now that you would give us courage, that you would give us your presence, give us your words, fill us with your gifts. Father, we want to be used by you. We want your love to be our burden for those in need. 
So Father, we invite you to just do greater things here. Not for our sake, but for your glory, we pray. Not to us, Lord, but to you deserve all the glory. And just pray for our church right now, myself included, those who perhaps just been apathetic and, and asleep in the light towards you and your spirit and your presence. Father, would you awaken us in this moment to your very closeness. Just pray for those here this morning who are feeling ashamed by their sin and just unworthy to be a house for God. Lord Jesus, we look to you and your cross again and remember it is done, it is finished. So we claim again the promise, you are close, you are with us, you are in us. We love you, Lord Jesus, and we thank you for your mercy and your grace. And so send us out, Lord, in your power. Give us confidence, help us to stand tall that we will be salt and light, a city on the hill, Lord, for your glory. We believe you're going to do great things. We trust you, Lord. And so we're expecting in faith, and we pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen.